And while I've got a high CPU warning, I believe we are live on all of the spaces. Welcome to uh, the Tattoo Weekly number 57. It's uh, Monday morning at 11. I'm Gabe Ripley with uh, Jake. We're down Lauren, unfortunately, for the week. Hopefully, um, everything works out great for, for that. Um, but yeah, we're here. I'm here live at Needle Jig Tattoo Supply in one of the new uh, conference rooms. We're going to beam in with Mark Lascarbo uh, shortly. Uh, Jake, how are you doing this morning? Great, man. How was your weekend? It was fantastic. I, I've been hammering through websites and uh, mostly websites, actually, which is kind of neat. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you know Tommy Helm, but uh, he's a I don't, I th did he win Ink Master? I don't know if he won Ink Master. He's on a bunch of the, the different shows. Hmm. Point is, he's an awesome artist, and I'm excited to uh, hammer out more websites. Nice. <laughs> what I did nice. All just worked out worked with him. Yeah, I know you helped with uh, a few little bugs we were having with some of our sales pages and things on the new Fireside site over the weekend. Got all that stuff worked out. So if anyone bought a you know a, a course from Fireside and and struggled over the weekend, that all that should be dealt with by now. So that was a little, little you know little uh, as we're saying, sometimes shifting domain names is uh, needs a little bit more uh, testing, right? And, right. Um, but the good news is once we hammer through all the, I mean, I think we're done with the, with the heavy lifting. Seems like uh, it. New, uh, firesidetattoo.com is uh, is live and running. And I mean, I guess it's running enough. There's people that are crawling through all the pages and, and hitting the videos and stuff. So, yeah, it's cool. I've never used all the different tools to see, you know, where people go and how long they hang out in one spot and all of that. I see how people get really into a lot of that data, you know, when, when it comes to SEO or marketers. And we, we both follow Neil Patel and I, you know, they, people dive so deep into like how people behave online. And it's always kind of gone over my head, but but seeing some of the tools that you've laid out for me to you know to kind of be able to tell what people are doing and what they care about and what they want, it's like, man, it's pretty interesting. You can get into it. Uh, you know, I, I think we've got maybe two months, maybe three, and then um, we'd be able to like send the site over to somebody like Neil and be like, okay, now we want critique. You know, yeah. you know, still maybe one or two low hanging fruits. But, uh, but this is just the intro. So, so right. uh, I'm Gabe from Tattoo Now, where, as you could maybe imagine, a computer geek. Um, TattooNow.com. Yeah, I'm Jake from the Fireside Tattoo Network. You can go to FiresideTattoo.com. You can also find us on YouTube. We stream this out every Monday on our channel, along with Reinventing the Tattoo and Tattoo Now. So, uh, yeah, give us a follow. Okay, it's a great time to let us know where you're beaming in from in the chat rooms so that we know this is working. Um, and or you could tag some friends, some tattooers that uh, might be interested in watching. Yeah, and uh, have a special yeah. guest today, huh? What was that? I said we have a special guest today. We have a special guest, you know, uh, it started uh, snowing last uh, uh Friday. So I was like, oh shit, well, maybe I'll come up to Needle Jig on Monday. And then I was like, Gabe, well, part of it is I have my new schedule calendaring system. So when I really thought about it, I was like, Gabe, you have a conflict here. You have, you can't schedule a full day over some of your videos. Uh, and, um, so but then it was very clear. Thing. I was like, wait, what if I uh, beam in straight from, uh, from Needle Jig? Yeah, absolutely. So, let me, um, I'm trying to just we... double check. Is this working on all the spots? So are you able to, uh, um it looks good to me on the fireside excuse me on the fireside uh youtube uh we got a handful Fantastic. of people just starting to just starting to kind of roll in i think people are used to our uh, lack of consideration of a start time so they just show up 10 minutes later 
Uh, well, I think we got it this time. So you know, if, did, yeah. if you're beaming in, the, um, you can always check out the podcast and the replays. Um, yeah, and the Reinventing the Tattoo and Fireside Tattoo Podcasts. I'm just going to double check on the Facebooks because we do stream out on the Facebooks. To, uh, yeah, look at that. And as long as we're uh, we're going, we can start beaming in with Mark. Yep. People, there's more people watching now. Yeah, we got, just got our first comment here. Good morning from Utah from uh, Closer Forte. Oh, and uh, uh, Anthony's in. Good morning, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony's part of our uh, Inside Fireside Tattoo Club, but he's he hasn't been he hasn't been jumping in much yet. He's probably too busy tattooing. Ha, fantastic. Okay, well let's uh, bring in Mark here. How do I, is that on? Uh, Mark, do you know how to click the buttons? Okay, I'm going to ask to unmute. All right. Ask to start you. video. Good morning. Good morning, kids. How you doing today? Great, great. It's a nice setup. You put, uh, you've got yourself in the, uh, in the actual podcast room, and then pushed Gabe over under some fluorescent lights somewhere. Yeah, you know he usually smells like weed, so I put him in the other building. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, I'm just happy it's not the basement. <laughs> All right. Uh, he's in one of the new conference rooms. I've been building this new sort of uh, uh, setup here because I want to start doing a. Uh, a lot more interaction with people and uh, Gabe's helped me learn this a little bit over the last few years, uh, the video and the, the, the content creation and, and, uh, and just learning to be human with a camera in your face. Cause it's uh, not as easy as a lot of people think it is. So now that I'm getting comfortable with it, uh, I, I'm, you know, gung ho ready to go and uh, start interacting with people a little bit more, especially considering, you know, the current climate and not be able to get out and, do it in person the way I used to. So, yeah, I love your space too, man. That's awesome, Jake. That's a Thank great, you. great art space, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's a little sunroom. It's just right off to the you know the outside of my house. And uh, it's funny when we first moved here. I had I had at my old place. I had a full painting studio that I had built in the backyard, and it was two or three times the size of this. And of course, we moved here, and I didn't have the luxury of building another space. But I found that I like the tighter space i can't fill it up with as much and it just has it has light from everywhere which is great yeah looks like a lot of windows so mm -hmm. i mean natural light is everything i'm in one of the only rooms in the building that gets no light whatsoever which makes uh, it optimal for filming because i can create all my own my own lighting so yeah yeah, yeah that's the one thing right that's the one thing that we that, that is the problem here is i kind of have to be particular about the times of day that i record uh, whether it's podcasting from here or just doing intros or little clips, I have to, I have, for the most part, I'm good, but I have a short window, you know, from two o'clock or one, one o'clock till maybe three where the light just like, just so harsh on my face and there's no way to get away from it. Gabe and I were recording a little bit yesterday and we ran right into that time. So I'm like back and forth <laughs> trying to find where I, where I cast a shadow on myself, you know, ducking the sunlight like a vampire. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right exactly it's like you know both of you have uh, some pretty sweet tech setups for uh for tattoo people yeah uh, mark you want to show off your uh your camera too or uh well camera two is uh is just an overhead so that would be what you or, see uh, down here if i want to start doing a little product demonstration or anything like that i got uh i've got a distant uh, behind the scenes camera over there uh, Nice. So, uh, gives a little bit of a wide shot, a little bit of fun like that. And then I've got... Uh, like, thank you, Detroit! 
<laughs> and I've also got another one set up where I can do like a screenshot so I can share my screen on my computer. So we get that infinity thing going on there between you and the monitor, uh -huh. the, the conference room TV behind you. But yeah, yeah it's it's uh, it's something where I can be more productive on my own. So I can physically be in the machine shop creating a new part, which I'm really excited about some new stuff I'm working on. And I can make something and I got, while I got the energy, I can come into this already pre-existing space, uh, film a quick little tidbit on it. Or if I'm really excited, I could just press a button, go live on Facebook, YouTube, or any of the other, you know, channels. So it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I usually have a tendency to go deep into the rabbit hole once I, once I find them. So but yeah it's fun man it's 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 fun it's challenging but it's cool yeah yeah that's a great great setup what are your uh what are you using as a as a switcher there to put between your cameras is that a like a atem mini like a black magic thing or is it yeah it's of... uh i got the atem mini pro iso version mm, that's what so, i have as well yeah yeah so i can actually record all, all. angles all all audio i'm running three road cameras right now or or excuse me, three road mics on, on each camera right now too. So uh, the redundancy in audio in case something, you know, okay. something's not plugged in or something's picking up uh, uh, RF interference or static on the lines or whatever, it's pretty hard to not walk away with enough usable material to uh, to get what I need. So. That, yeah, that's what I've found. Just build in as many redundancies as you can, however many audio tracks you can get. like. All of my uh, cameras have, you know, two SD card slots. So I'm, if I'm, if I am recording to SD, the great thing about this Atom uh, Mini Pro ISO is that you can just plug a hard drive into the back, and it records and timestamps all the separate tracks together. So that's really nice. You know, something that, not to get too techy on on everybody, which I guess that's kind of what 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 you both you guys are doing. But uh, one thing that I need to troubleshoot a little bit, just uh, out of nowhere, my Atom it still shows up if I want to zoom or OBS or use any of the streaming platforms, but the, um, the uh, screens are black. Like it shows up as a camera option, but when I click it, it's just a black screen, no matter what. And I don't know if it's some type of, some type of issue that I'm having with the software, I guess on the ATEM, I'm, I'm not sure, but I need to take the time and troubleshoot it because when I have to do things like, like this, where we're actually live, I unplug this main camera from the ATEM and just plug it directly into my laptop because uh, otherwise it won't. Yeah. So I don't know what uh, there, there's ton, there's so much information on their forums, but it's something that I need to put on my to do list and troubleshoot it. I started, uh, you know, researching a lot before I bought it. And right now I really only use this for uh, some Zoom calls. Basically, uh, I recorded an unboxing of this just so people could get a clue as to, you know, how easy it was to set up from a guy like me had no experience with it. And then um, I'm having a little bit of trouble myself with the uh, the idea that I I have my hard drive plugged into my laptop. So what I think is I can use this with Zoom with the multi-camera setup, but I can't record to this because the USB-C is being occupied by the yep. line to my laptop. Right. But then I can uh, I can have OBS running in the background. You can record and I can there. Record through OBS. I'm just not going to get all the ISO. I'm not going to get each individual channel, but I will get the, uh, yeah. the event as it went out. So. Uh, I didn't set it up that way today because I'm just trying to figure it out still, and I'd rather not screw things up five minutes before uh, you guys want right. to go live. 
was trying to talk Gabe into putting some software on his computer. He's like, no, maybe next time. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, change. It's taken 30 years to be like, actually, maybe we shouldn't put software on the computer five minutes before going live. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So now, Mark, yeah. one of the one of the inspirations that you have for this setup is you've got uh, you know a project you've been working on. I don't know if people have been following the channel, but you've got like over eight hours, I think, of how to design or or your process of designing a rotary tattoo machine. Yeah, uh, I got about oh, wow. fifteen hours up on YouTube right now. Um, I sat down last January and decided I wanted to. Um, well, it was it was a little bit still into the slow season and I was feeling creative. So I, I sat at my computer and I wanted to start to design a new machine because I haven't really, well, I haven't designed a machine that I brought to market in a while. So I, I sat down and just for giggles, I popped on uh, OBS and started recording myself as I was talking myself through the process of designing this new machine. And I kind of wanted to document it. And it started out just sort of as a fun little experiment. Um, and then as I got further into the the time I realized, you know what, people might be interested in this. So I started to uh, edit to just sort of stick it out on YouTube. So yeah, there's about 14, 15 hours of me sitting in front of my computer in my CAD CAM software, which is, um, I'll show you that in a minute. But anyways, uh, basically me sitting in front of my computer and it kind of sucks because what would have taken me three to four hours to develop on my own if I wasn't trying to uh, be audible with my thought process and and narrate my way through it um, took me about 15 hours to get the basics down and everything but I figured you know it was time well spent and uh, I know there's nerdy people out there that like me that like to see how everything's made not just in the tattoo world I go down all kinds of rabbit holes on any manufacturing process out there uh, for years I would do anything I could to get in and tour any manufacturing facility just to see you know what the modern techniques were or, or what the uh, the obsolete techniques were that I wasn't aware of I might be able to implement to solve a problem I have so uh, I'm gonna figure out how to uh, get into my software here Gabe I'm going to share my screen um yeah perfect okay perfect. Me, uh, so make sure you can yeah is that up there now or? yeah it is All gave right. you on a highlight him so we, we yeah, awesome so basically this is um this is the software i use it's a fusion 360 it's a, it's actually an awesome but still fairly economical uh, uh cad cam design software and this is the machine that's uh I've been working on just in my spare time, which I don't have a lot of, and going to be coming to market with that here fairly soon, but uh, not trying to sell you all, but let me see here real quick what I can, uh, where's my cover? Can't read my own text, it's too small here. Right. I think the cover is in here, so it's just a simple direct drive. Mm -hmm. It's nothing too fabulously you know, it's nothing earth shattering, but I wanted people to see what was involved with designing even a simple concept uh, modern tattoo machine. So you've got your motor here. That's a Fallhaber motor, one that a lot of builders are using. Uh, basically, we've got a push your bar mount ring um, and we've got a cam weight, which isn't balanced yet. I won't be able to balance that properly until I, I have one completed. Uh, you know, but I mean, it's it's basic. There's a simple call it configuration. Uh, you can get a sort of a cutaway design here as to nice. the whole thing. 
uh, looks like. And let's see, let me, let me turn on the center of mass here. Uh, I believe this, I have this in here. So let's see, is that that one or one of these? Come on, Art, where is it? And now once you have the plans, you end up programming the the machine to uh, to carve it out or? Yeah, or basically, um, okay, so then when you get into this end, I mean, you really get down some uh, some rabbit holes here, but. Uh, uh, it's the breakdown of each element. Yeah, it gets pretty damn uh, wonky. Uh, let's I'll try to open up this one here if I'm not going to take up too much computer resource. Um, yeah, I definitely remember uh, when I was got through the first hour or, or two, uh, realizing, you know, I'm sure that in a couple of years, people are going to come up to you and be like, man, I, I you know, built a tattoo machine after watching all those videos. <laughs> here it is. You know, yeah. Uh, all right. This is loading real slow here. Oh, here we come. All right. So this is, uh, this is, part of a much, much, much larger setup inside the machine, but you can, this is what's called a tombstone, this giant square block here. Mm -hmm. And each one of these attachments here is different uh, vice setups. So these are dovetail vices. They hold raw yeah. blocks and material in. Uh, this one here, I actually, I built that vice from scratch. And that was so that I could hold two items on this side as opposed to just one. So basically, uh, so, so the black part is like the the mount, and then the pieces parts are getting built on, uh, hanging off. Right, and if you could picture off on this side here, there's a giant wheel. Okay, it's called a rotary, and so this whole thing will spin in this direction oh. here. Okay. okay, and the tools come in from the top to cut the pieces away. So each of these parts can be machined from virtually any angle, other than. The angles that uh, you know, are front. obstructed by the block. But uh, let me see if I can show you one here real quick. Uh, all right. So this one here. So that signifies like a block of metal. Right. So the, the shaded part here is the raw block of metal. And the, the actual piece part you see inside would be the part that would be left over. So this is going to be a simulation. And basically, if you can picture this, the machine tools always in this orientation coming down and then this part rotates around, but the simulation, you would get dizzy trying to watch that. So mm -hmm. in this part, in the simulation, it holds the block material still and you'll just see the tool uh -huh. oriented around the, uh, right. around the part. So let's see, I'll speed it up a little bit uh, here so it's not too, too crazy slow, but uh, uh, Machines come in, they just whittle away, like uh, this This tool come in and whittle away the bulk of the material. Then you just come in uh, over time with, with finer and finer tools to do the more detail-oriented stuff. So, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's getting in and it's gonna just basically uh, do what we call a rough pass. So it breaks it down to its rough shape, but it leaves a, let's say a thin skin of metal over the parts. Um, which you do at a bit of a slower pace with a finer tool to uh, to get the uh, the final look and the finish that you want. So minimize mm -hmm. the amount of polishing and stuff you need to do after the fact. So now here's here it's going to come in and you're going to see something kind of crazy. I'm going to change the angle here for a minute because you're going to see. I don't know if I haven't already. 
but the tool is going to come in at such an angle and it's such a long tool to come in at this angle to bore this hole. Oh, no, never mind. That hole's already bored. Mm. Darn it. I missed okay. that because I was talking. I think uh, I saw it happen. Yeah, I was I, I was wondering yeah. the, the angle of the, the the angle of the bit changed really drastically and came in. Uh, yeah. And if you want to talk about a butt clenching moment, you're talking about oh, you're talking yeah. about like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of tools uh, sliding pi past this whole attachment, which is worth about 15, 20 grand. And if anything collides, the truth is it's probably got a, you know, a $20,000 repair ticket attached to it or oh, something like that. Oh. So always testing things out real, real slowly. But you can see that even with the, uh, the animated software here, I can get, and the representative finish on this would mm -hmm. be pretty darn close, but you can see all aspects of this thing from every angle are, are basically yeah. uh, basically done there. So uh, go back to this camera here. Yeah, and, that's really uh, cool. Let me grab it. All right. So I have a close to finish prototype here. And so this is the machine basically that you, you see. I don't have a tiny alley key with me, so I can't open it up for you right now. I wasn't thinking ahead of time, but this, uh, focus uh, this is the machine right now with the motor everything included the rca and the wiring is not in it but this is about a perfect two ounces right now um oh. and then i've got a grip which uh i've been working on production too which is just a you know it's a ratcheting style okay mm -hmm. uh, click grip there that's uh that i've had ready to go for Oh, a year, and I just haven't gone into production because I wanted, I wanted to have a machine to attach it to. Right. So that's just been sitting on the shelf, waiting to go into final production. But yeah, so that's kind of where I'm cool. at these days, and uh, and I'm trying to do this 100% in house. So I'm actually currently building a, an anodization station now. So I will be anodizing all my own aluminum in house. Uh, I've done it before on a prototyping basis, but uh, I just spend a bunch of time and energy putting together a, a full setup where I'll be able to do all this stuff in batch quantities. Uh, and again, my goal is, uh, is small batch quantities. I'm not looking to have everybody in the country using my equipment. Um, uh, that's way too many to people to please in my world. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'm just not. Yeah. yeah. It's not my goal. I, I, I really just, I like, I like the aspect of creating. I love, I love creating tattoos, love creating uh, devices to uh, make tattooing easier for others, things like that. And for me, it's about creation and I'm glad it pays the bills and keeps my family taken care of. But for the most part, you know, I've never looked to set the world on fire. So, but yeah. and now what was, you, had, you had some specific goals in mind with the machine too, right? To keep it as, simple as possible or to uh, remove as many points of friction? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a direct drive rotary. It's, it's literally about the simplest, most efficient machine that you can build. Um, now by efficiency doesn't mean it's the best. It doesn't have all the perks, the, you know, it doesn't have give, it doesn't have a lot of features people are looking for adjustable stroke length and all that built into it. But by keeping it simple, it is physically, uh, it's got the highest efficiency of any, tattoo machine out there now my goal was to build it 
with a minimalistic uh, approach. So I wanted to really use only what was needed, strip away any extra material that didn't need to be in there. So that, that reduces the weight, um, that reduces, uh, it, it just reduces a lot of headaches. Um, but basically, yeah, just strip it down to the bare bones, bare essentials. I have a much more complicated machine that I am uh, working on to, you know, it will be a pen machine coming out in the future, but um, that's something that's way more complicated. And I probably won't share the proprietary uh, information on building that one. But uh, this, this, this whole series I did is just uh, gives people a little bit of a tiny peek as to what goes on into manufacturing. Now, other companies out there have manufacturing teams, they have engineers, they have, um, you know, full teams of people that sit down and design. And then they have full machine shops with shop managers and, and, uh, and, and operations people and stuff like that. Uh, here at Needlejig, it's all me. It's my brain. It's my brain, my concepts. Uh, when I find the time to sit in front of the computer, refine something, and then between the running of the business and everything else, I got to do finding time to get into the machine shop and, and, and build, prototype them, which takes honestly hundreds of hours. You know, even, even I started this last January. It is mm. late December and it's only at this stage. Uh, if I had a team, I could have knocked it out in four months. Uh, but, you know, this will be readily available early next year in small quantities. Uh, I'm probably only going to do about 20 of them to start with. So I'm not looking to, you know, set the world on fire. I'm going to get about, uh, I'll get about a half a dozen into my friend's hands for them to feel them out, uh, give me their feedback. And then when I've got that done and I know I ironed out most of the bugs, you know, I'll make 20 of them or I'll make 50 of them. And then I'll see how that goes. And then, you know, if it becomes an, a popular device, I'll make more of them. If not, I'll go on to the next project, which is this pen, which is uh, it's going to have some really cool stuff that I don't want to tell anybody about yet. So <laughs> not, not, trying, not trying to be a teaser there, but like it's 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 uh, it's pretty cool. About how long start to finish does that entire CNC process take from the block to to that just to make one? OK, so what you saw there was. Um, what they call first operations of five parts. And each of those parts comes off of that block and needs some sort of a, of a finishing because obviously there's something left holding it to the block that's, you know, uh, that edge is gonna be need to be finished, drilled, faced, whatever. And some may need two operations beyond that. Uh, but to run those five parts on that one block, uh, roughly an hour's operation there. So, all in all, uh, probably an hour and a half's operation to, to complete a machine, hour 45 minutes okay. of just machine time. That's not counting preparing the blocks to go in the machine. It's not counting um, uh, finish, tumbling, polishing, uh, anodization, assembly, uh, testing, right. all that stuff. But just, just the parts. Testing? <laughs> yeah. About an hour and a half. Yeah. And, that's, and that's me not really trying to rush too hard because I'm not, I'm not, shooting to push out you know 50,000 parts a month and stuff like that I don't I don't have those aspirations at this point in time so sure. yeah. I make a dozen machines and I sell them and if people like them it's cool and if yeah. they don't you know no big deal they'll sit on the shelf until they until they sell no big deal yeah I like the adjustable stainless steel grip uh 
I, I hadn't, if I have seen those before, I, I don't remember it, but, you know, uh, that's, um, well, I guess, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, even the original kind of Cheyennes uh, had that, that when they had the permanent grip, it was, it was sort of adjustable there, but most of the pen styles and everything now have the adjustment kind of built in somewhere to the, you know, to the back of the body of the machine, or maybe in the, maybe in the grip, but I guess I haven't seen what looks like just a traditional, you know, needle and needle bar and, you know, and tube kind of grip that had that, uh, that type of adjustment. And that's cool. Yeah. Well, there's already some out there. F. Cairns was one of the first to, to do that a while back or whatever. And there's a, everybody does it now. And the idea is coming up with something unique that um, I don't like to look at other people's products because I don't want what I see to influence my thought process. Mm -hmm. um, not that they aren't great ideas. They're awesome ideas. There's some really brilliant people out there doing some really cool stuff, but I want my stuff to be as original as it can be, which is, you know, as artists, none of us, none of us create original content. Everything we create is based off of everything we've ever seen and experienced. So, so it's not, it's impossible to not be influenced, but I, I try hard when it comes to like mechanical ideas to, uh, to do them in my own way and in a way that I think might be, uh, uh, beneficial over the way other people do things that's yeah. all. i'm always looking to make things easier so right will you make disposable versions of that grip that'll fit the machine or no uh possibly i'm gonna be honest with you i'm gonna make these and i'm gonna sell some and i'll probably like i said i might run off small batches here and there 20 or 50 at a time and sell them as long as people want to buy them uh my real focus is on the pen machine that i want uh basically because well that's where the market's going these days you know i mean everybody wants the pens loves the pens um whether i agree or disagree with them is a whole different story but that's where the market is um but what i what i like about the pens is one it's less parts to make uh unless you get really complicated uh if you look into uh dan's uh um valhalla that is probably the most complicated tattoo machine out there as far as internal components and, 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 and the way it works and stuff like that. It's incredible. It's a genius. And, um, but to me, you know, I love Dan. He's a friend of mine. I respect the crap out of him. For me, my ideas are simpler. I want something, I want minimal moving parts. I want minimal parts to manufacture. I want, I want the least possible number of problems uh you know it's like once you start adding parts to any moving component like this every part you add has to have a certain level of what they call uh tolerances uh parts can't be too tight together and they can't be too far apart or they're sloppy so you have all those slight tolerances and the more parts you add into any component look at a car all those parts moving together uh in the creator's world or the adventure's world it's it's become stacked tolerances each one of those tolerances stands on top of another tolerance and and it just becomes insanely hard to maintain that like aerospace consistency you know over time for making thousands of parts or millions of parts it's just uh that is aerospace stuff i think if i keep things simple then they're you know less parts to wear less parts to break should be able to produce, be produced at a somewhat little bit of a lower cost because I'm not needing, I have some pretty high tech stuff for equipment goes, but the like, um, 
I mean, there's people out there that produce parts and they have to test, you know, they physically pull like every fifth part that comes off the machine and they send it over to the inspection area for make sure it's within tolerance before they can continue the run. And, and it's like, it's cool. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's major modern manufacturing. Um, I'm an artist, man. I'm not, uh, I understand that aspect of it, but I don't want to go too far into that. You know, I want to keep it, I don't know, maybe I'm just lazy. I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's entirely possible. Yeah. I just believe in, I, mean, I believe it, in my it, heart. It, like, it's simple. You know, as we get an older, like often it seems like trying to figure out how to do it is always a matter of like simplicity for some reason. It's like, but it seems like it's so difficult. And then when you finally even get onto something that's simple, it's like how do you, to, to scale that, to do that again and again with multiple people as simple is uh, surprisingly tricky. I, yeah. Jake, does that sound familiar? Like you remember as we were doing the website, you're like keeping it simple, fucking. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, there you, you end up with so many variables in your head and then you constantly have to remind yourself like, I always, uh, you know, always say that no one solves a problem problem by adding complexity. You know, you have to distill it down to the to the to the basic issues, and then you can, you know, then you can build more complexity on top of it. But I've, I've probably said a thousand times during meetings for all of our relaunch stuff and trying to do these deep dive pages on our website, just uh, progress over perfection. Let's just like let's get it out there, and make something work as best as it works. People will tell us what doesn't work about it, and then we can refine. Uh, but I just don't see any reason to like, you know, to spend, uh, you know, three, four, five times as much time and energy uh, and get no feedback. You know, you're just like, you, you know, you spend forever on it and get it out there and then it still doesn't work the way that you envisioned. You know, so might as well get the, you know, the easiest uh, kind of lowest hanging uh, problem solved and then get them out in front of people. Uh, the, it's funny. I was, I was just going to say, uh, talking about these, uh, about machine stuff uh, in particular, and in the uh, the idea of of the simple machine not having all the mechanisms built in for give and all that, and then Numa tattoo. I guess it's Carson uh, just jumped on and said good morning on the fireside. And I was going to bring up, uh, uh, we had that conversation a handful of times about um, uh, about get the differences in give in, in a coil versus a rotary machine and that they're really not the same thing at all it's not even they shouldn't be used those terms given rotary and given traditional coil there should be two different terms for it they shouldn't both be called give because they're not your the 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 movement of the of the mechanism isn't the same it's the difference in an oscillating movement and a rotational movement and so to carson's point you know he he doesn't like the idea of like artificial or electronic give in in uh, in a rotary machine because uh, you're basically just slowing down and increasing the dwell time in the in the skin because the motor has to finish that rotation and it just sits in the skin longer with this sort of artificial type of give and and he's a big proponent of of using your hand for give learning like training yourself to understand how how to let off and, and when to press down and uh, and that 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 role shouldn't be part of the machine at all it should be a part of the artist. No, I I 100% agree with Carson. I've been saying that for years. Um, like I mean. Okay, so starting with coils, as we all did forever in a day, um, they have that natural give built into them. Uh, just because it's there, uh, and just because people have been using it for 100 plus years now, doesn't necessarily mean that it is good. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just saying it doesn't mean it's good. And what it is, is you're talking 100 plus years of people learning to work with the tool that they had available to them. So the human 
adjusted to the device. Okay, so uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy, you get into really scientific stuff when you start talking about uh, uh, the speed to enter the skin and the speed to retract from the skin and, or like you said, a dwell in the skin or a dwell out of the skin. Um, I was working on that stuff, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago. I got some uh, prototype pens around here. Uh, I, have, I have one sitting here that I did, um, I'm on the wrong camera. But, uh, yeah. you know, I did this one uh, designed in 2013, 14. I think I built early 15, um, which actually uses a, a, a similar uh, um, mountain range circular cam or whatever. Okay. Kind of like what uh, Carson's <laughs> doing now. And I just, I build on that project because, uh, let's see. Uh, so, I'm going to so switch cameras here. Camera. I would like Carson's input on this too, man. Text me later, but uh, but uh, <laughs> here's, come on, focus, focus. So this is this is a primitive prototype I did back in, like I said, I think I produced this early fifteen, and with uh, oh man, I shouldn't be doing that with a black background, huh? Okay, <laughs> I a white mouse pad here. This will help hopefully. So. You can, I, the lighting is going to be a little off on that. I apologize, guys. It's uh, yeah, I can see it pretty well. But you can, you can kind of make out the mm. kind of ramp. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a ramped uh, circular circular ramp there. Um, but basically, um, my my problem with that was uh, the 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 rotating bearing obviously pushes the plunger down, and then I had to have a. Well, it's not even in the machine anymore. There was a spring that had to uh, push upwards to keep the uh, the the cam pressed against the bearing, and I couldn't find the right springs. I put way too much tension on the motor, uh, axial load on the motor, and I walked away from it. And I found other ways to uh, to complete that, and um, and I just never got back to it. Uh, I found a new method to do this same sort of thing. Um, the whole idea of this was to, which is what Carson's doing now. Uh, I'm glad he's gotten as far as he has with it because it's cool because it's 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 bugged me in my brain for a long time. I'm glad it's working for him. But to to if you could map out the you know the the the, the speed of the entry, the speed of the exit, the dwell at the top, um, how many degrees in the and the circumference uh, does it take to ramp up, ramp down, all that other fun stuff. I absolutely love that idea. I've nerded out on that for, for decades. Um, and I want to take that to a whole different level. And I'm going to be doing some work with uh, Aaron Williams from TATCOM. Yeah. He, he blew my mind just uh, uh, when he came up here to the meetup I had in October. Uh, he had that high-speed footage of mm -hmm. uh, the needles entering and exiting. And I'm like, wow, okay, now on my bucket list, I need one of these high-speed cameras because I really want to... Just just perform a thousand studies. I wanna I wanna study speed going in, speed coming out. I wanna study everything. You know, mm -hmm. just just uh, totally uh, nerd out. On. There and were I a few things in that. Out on it with me too. <laughs> yeah, th there were a few things in that video footage. We just recorded an episode with Aaron as well. It hasn't released yet. It'll be out. Uh, in the next two or three weeks, but uh, he he played some of that footage uh, for me, and he's actually planning a trip up here to Memphis, and we're going to do some kind of deep dive uh, stuff with that camera as well, but there were a handful of things that really blew my mind as far as like 
uh, you know, the, the, the needle penetrating the skin and then moving and penetrating the skin a, a, a little ways up and then it flooding more ink into the previous hole that isn't being you know, is it being hit again? And it, just the way that the the kind of uh, like the the elasticity and the way that the skin uh, is being yeah. pulled is allowing ink to flow backwards into previously poked holes. And I I wouldn't have guessed that was possible, but I watched. Well, I it. mean, it's if, pretty if, cool. Okay, just think about it from a like a like a basic physics standpoint. Okay, the thing that caught me, which I kind of knew but didn't know or give, I didn't give any credit to, was was the fact that when the needle the needle punctured the bulk of the ink ends up in the deposit when the needle pulls out of the skin and that vacuum is released. You right. know, like when you, you know, you pull your finger out of something that's it's solid and the air releases that like that's air rush, that sound is air rushing down into the hole. Well, if the needle's surrounded by ink, there is no air to rush down that hole. The fluid gets sucked into that. So that's what you see in that video. Right. Um, so on the first puncture, needle comes out, vacuum's created, ink gets pulled down in and now because the the holes are so close in proximity that when you're you start to push down next you're physically pulling that hole open again right and you still have that puddle of pool behind the needle mm -hmm. so as the second one goes down it's you know pulling against the wall of the previous hole opening it up and then gravity just takes an effect there and, and more ink goes back into it at that point in time. That's yeah. the best way I can explain it. And if there's anybody out there that has more working knowledge uh, on the, the physics of that, definitely hit me up because I could go with some, uh, go for some late night scotch drinking conversations about mm -hmm. that. Like, you know, cause uh, I, yeah, I could, I love that. It, stuff. it was really interesting to watch. And yeah, it, theoretically I had, I, I had, um, understood that that principle of the vacuum as well but i didn't really visualize it as affecting you know one hole affecting previous holes but the way you're describing it is i think is exactly right you're kind of pulling that skin uh open uh open again that previous hole open again and so it would literally like the first time the first puncture it might you know if the hole is this deep you see the needle go travel this deep it only filled with about that much uh maybe a quarter of of ink and then the very next puncture would cause that previous hole to fill the rest of the way with with ink. And I just am watching that in real or in that with that phantom camera. Uh, it just had me scratching my head like, wow, it's crazy to like physically watch it happen. Of course, it was in some type of gelatin and not an actual skin. But the principles, I assume, are the same. Right. But yeah, the physics, the, the skin's going to react in a similar state. It's nothing more, more than cells other than uh, different, different molecules bound together. But um one of the big takeaways I had from that video that that just threw me a little bit was how far the needle penetrated mm -hmm. without depositing ink. Right. Um, and it might be due to the the material that it was penetrating uh, because it was just um, uh, solid, consistent texture all the way down on unlike our skin which is you know layers of different uh, uh, cellular makeup and stuff like that. So um, I don't think we could perform a test like that on a human and 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 actually physically you know maybe a corpse but uh yeah is, is yeah. that legal <laughs> i don't know i don't know and yeah this yeah. uh supposedly how uh was it sailor jerry was uh learning or mike malone some of those guys would sneak into the uh um, morgues cadavers yeah but were they uh, dissecting the corpses afterwards <laughs> and were they were they micro slicing 
right. know, cross sections of the skin to to see the results because because that's where you got to go with it. That's the only way to really, you know, get to the end result. But then again, you know, if you're tattooing a corpse, it's not the same as tattooing as a live a live human. So it's it's oh, is, right. is, is there an answer to this question? The uh, one thing along those lines that Sean Bellino of S8 mentioned to me probably five or six years ago uh, was um, the, the, the uh, we were talking about robots tattooing. So this was before everyone was up in arms about AI, AI's drawing our pictures. And we were just talking about the physical act of tattooing and, uh, and whether or not robots could do a better job. And he, uh, he was talking about the, the possibility of putting some type of a, if you're thinking of a traditional machine, maybe an, or an armature bar, some type of a LIDAR uh, element that could point and make and, and, and sit right at the point of, of where the needle penetrates the skin and make nanosecond decisions on cellular, like tissue damage, optimal saturation, you know, when to get out of there and, and, and literally like fill the skin with ink perfectly with the absolute minimal amount of tra trauma that no human could ever make happen. And uh, he was like, you could, it could absolutely do that just with the type of LiDAR technology that self-driving car, or not even self-driving cars, but just the same type of technologies that are telling cars that there's an upcoming or there's a car in your blind spot or whatever. He was like, I could use just that technology and build a machine that tattoos better than you. <laughs> <They're> like, oh, <laughs> absolutely. And it could, take into, it could take into consideration yeah. the resistance of the skin, the, the density mm -hmm. of the skin, the, the, the curvature of the skin, you name it. It's all, it, it could absolutely be done. Uh, and, yeah. and I mean, but I, I think the biggest thing about tattoos is the, is how personal they are, man. I, uh, the, uh, the bond between uh, clients and, and, and artist is, is probably equal to, if not more important than the, uh, the artwork that uh, stands just like, uh, I mean, maybe not so much for the masses, but, uh, but for people that take their art seriously, like uh, as a tattooer, Nowadays, you go get tattooed by somebody, you don't even tell them what you want. You're picking the artist and you're kind of just sort of like, hey, man, you know me and whatever you think fits well in that space and, and, and have a great day with it. And you're going to love it just for who did it. And you're going to love it for the quality of the work and you add it to your collection. You don't necessarily need to have, you know, full control over that. You know, I, the older I get, the more I'm learning to relinquish control of everything to be honest with you I, I i don't i used to be a absolute control freak now i'm only a part-time control freak right yeah uh, my uh my my, co my coach at strategic coach says uh he talks about the rugged individualist mindset and that uh, almost every entrepreneur that comes into our group has that if you want it done right you got to do it yourself sort of mindset and he was like that makes a really critical assumption that you're really awesome at everything <laughs> you know and, and and the fact is that you're not <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. there's people smarter than me at everything out there i just uh, you know but uh, and then and and i've had a tendency a lot of people around me think i'm a procrastinator all the time cuz like i said you know this has been built for two years now almost and uh, and it's not out in production and for sale and it's like ah yeah i'm kind of a procrastinator but i'm more of a perfectionist yeah. i really don't want to release anything into the market that's not 90 plus percent you know good i understand mm -hmm. nothing's perfect but like i don't want to put something out there and have to make a lot of apologies to people right away either so that keeps me from taking this big the last step a lot of times like i've invented so many things and i've i've got 
boxes and boxes of prototypes and 3D printed models of, of ridiculous amounts of things. And they're not good enough for me. So I figure they're not good enough for you. Mm -hmm. So I know that's not the case. I mean, I see that. I see a lot of mediocre products hitting the market on a regular basis, um, not passing judgment. But I mean, it's like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It, it's if, if it does the job, it's great. It's better than what they were using 100 years ago. That's, yeah. you know, and so I look at I look at tattooing is like we can get super, super technical about the details and we can talk about um, increasing, decreasing impact in, in longevity, longevity of the needle in the skin to optimize tattoo application and saturation. Right. But the Japanese have been doing it for thousands of years, hand poked and, yeah. and, 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 and beyond that and, and eons before that and getting the job done. So why do I feel like I'm so special where I need to improve it? You know, I, I want to, that's just my goal in life. Improve. I try and improve most things I come in contact with, but um, it's not a broken system. It's been working effectively for thousands and thousands of years with insanely primitive tools and, 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 and pigments and dyes and all that. So yeah, you know, it's like, we're not all that special. You know? Yeah. And to your point, the, the idea of being tattooed even faster, better, you know, more uh, efficiently by a, by a machine, by a robot fundamentally changes what the, what tattooing is like the experience. It takes the, what, like one of the key like pillars of tattooing, the client, you know, artist kind of relationship, the, um, you know, the, the, the sometimes not comforting, but, but most of the time comforting um, uh, idea of like the skin to skin or not skin to skin, but like, the, the physical kind of contact between the two people, the like the fact that you have to like give up the idea of personal space, you know, when you're tattooing or getting tattooed and, and, you know, and that the way that the, the relationships form, you know, from that, uh, think about whenever you're getting like um, x-rays at the dentist or, or at the doctor and they have to like put you in the room and then they run to the other side of the door, you know, like I'm just <laughs> visualizing the tattooing happening that way where it's like, all right, everything, you're good, you're still, all right, the inks are all full, all right, I'll catch you later. And then I run outside and the tattoo <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the robot starts tattooing. Yeah, I mean, and, and tattooers are generally like to consider themselves a bunch of hard asses. And, you know, and I was definitely in my younger day, but like, if you think about it, I mean, we, we, we talk about, oh, you know, we're, we're tattooers slash psychologists slash whatever, you know, mm -hmm. like people come to us to vent and, 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 and all that other fun stuff, which is awesome that people, you know, just show you that level of trust with their body, with their, with their thoughts and all that other fun stuff. But at this stage in the game, I can tell you, my clients have helped me over the years more than I've probably helped them. I've learned and grown immensely from, from that contact with those people, you know, so I, I've learned, I've learned a lot of how to live better and I've learned how, you know, how not to live, mm -hmm. you know, all, all in all, but like I walked away from it better, you know, like, and it's probably saved me, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in psychiatric care that I probably never would have paid for on my own or, 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 or even realize that I needed, um, yeah, watching other people struggle. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's weird to say I benefited from it, you know, because you kind of feel a little guilty about that. But, you know, all the memorials, all the, everything you do, people come get tattooed. More often than not, it's about 
it's an, it's a point in their life where they've experienced something and it's being marked one way or the other. It could be joyous, it could be devastating, but these are these are the highlights and lowlights of their lives and they're sharing with us. And yeah. if you're not paying attention to your clients and you're not, you know, understanding that, something's wrong. You know, it's like not just about exchanging art for money. And in my later years of tattooing, I used to be like, oh, I only want to do backs. I only want to do sleeves. I only want to do, you know, buy stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was that guy for a while and it got to the end and I'm like, I don't care. What do you want? What do you specialize in? I, I try and specialize in, in giving the client what they want. That was, I just went full circle back to that because to me, it was more about giving them what they needed, what they wanted. And then, you know, I got money out of it, of course, but uh, the, the, the personal interaction was just a win-win, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, it's, it's, it sounds corny and spiritual and all that, but that's a more important than the art to me at this mm-hmm. point in time. Art is just, it's, I still love it, but it's just art. It's a thing, you know, and as you get later in life, start to realize things aren't everything, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I've started to make a little bit of that transition, but like you were saying, I, I focus mostly on projects that I want to take on and large scale stuff. And I don't have a lot of hours to tattoo or to dedicate to tattooing each week. So I need to make sure I'm doing the, you know, the, uh, the things that I, you know, that I feel like I'm best at and that engage me the most. But uh, I started having clients over the last handful of years that are like, Hey, I know you probably don't want to do this little thing. You know, we're working on a sleeve. I know you probably don't want to do this tattoo, but could you refer me to someone to do it? And I started thinking like, well, we're there anyways, the needles are out. How long would it take me to do that? Like, we'll just do it in, during your next session. So you don't have to go pay someone a minimum charge to get that tattoo since you're already paying a day rate. We'll just knock it out. And that became something that I started, uh, do it. And I found that it benefited, well, obviously it benefits them because they don't have to go find another tattooer to do a, you know, a hundred dollar tattoo, but it benefits me in that I, I got where I wasn't very good at starting and finishing a simple tattoo because I always can procrastinate. And I always have the next session to develop and refine and, and, and that stuff like that. And so I found that just taking on those little tattoos at the start of a session it made me better and more efficient for the rest of the session on the big tattoo and it kind of trained me to like get a line in the skin get a solid fill in the skin get it finished so i can get to the project that we're actually here to do today so it's 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 funny how that you know became pretty valuable to just that one little decision became so valuable to both of us and the end of my and the end of my daily tattooing that's all i wanted to do i just i I literally would call them masturbatory tattoos like you're in you're out you're done everybody's happy and that's that you know it's like it's uh uh feeling a gratification relatively short period of time you know because like i know in the end i was getting discouraged with the uh the retail aspect of tattooing um you know uh clients disappearing you know they move they lose their jobs, they die, all those things to inconvenience you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it was like, and maybe I hit a, a rough bout of it. Or like I said, maybe I was just getting burned out on the retail aspect of it at that point in time. But I just wanted little tiny tattoos. I physically uh, gave away most of my big clientele to, to most of the artists that work for me over time. And I won't say like I, I forced them away, but like I never would 
I would never tell a client that I needed to be their artist or anything like that. They come into my shop, they get exposed to my art, they get exposed to all my other artists' art, and they appreciate somebody else's art. Go get in their chair, go get a piece or whatever, you know. And then, and then I had this uh, philosophy of hiring people that were equal to or better than me. Well, that turned out to backfire over time because, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But actually, it worked out in the long run because I got to do more of the just the randoms. You know, bring, give me the randos, you know, because there's something more enlightening about that to me. And it's not like it's anything cool about the tattoo. It's, um, I'm not tattooing the same person I've been tattooing for the last five years. I know this guy. I know his story. I know his family. I know what he does for a living. I know more about him than his significant other probably. But um, you give me a rando, it's a new story. It's a fresh face. It's a, uh, I might learn something new. I might not. I don't know. That, that to me was, uh, it became enjoyable. Like, you know, I, I, in those days, I wish I probably was just in a busy street shop rather than a shop we had built in to be more custom than street. So mm-hmm. yeah. our taste changed over time. That's all. Sure. Yeah. Always well, be open to the other, you know, because yeah. it, it might surprise yeah. us. Definitely. Well, we're, we're up at the end of our hour. Do we want to uh, take a couple of minutes and tell people how to find you and uh, keep up with your projects? Oh, well, sure. Yeah. I, sorry. I talked all that long guys. I just, no, that's the point. But, uh, yeah. Uh, well, anyways, I'm Mark Lascarbo. I own needle jig. Uh, if you uh, want to get a hold of me, you can uh, go to needlejig.com. You can, uh, uh, give a call to the warehouse if you want to talk to me directly. If I'm in the building, if I'm not in a meeting, I'll always pick up the phone and talk. Uh, if you want to email me, it's mark, M-A-R-C, at needlejig.com. Uh, you can uh, see what I'm doing on YouTube. Uh, it's uh, YouTube forward slash, I think, uh, needlejig tattoo supply. Um, Instagram is uh, needlejig. Twitter is, I started a million years ago. There's nothing there. Don't go there. Mm-hmm. Uh Facebook's uh, just a needle jig, you know, I mean, uh, not that hard to find if you just look up, look up needle jig, but uh, yeah, if you want to talk to me personally, or if you like say, if you have a uh, more insight on any of this scientific stuff or, or you just want to get down a rabbit hole with me for a little while and, and talk things out, let me know. Um, yeah. I talk a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet. That was fun. I, I love seeing that whole process and watching the kind of CAD stuff. And that's, that's super cool. I didn't know we're going to get to see all that. Um, I do uh, real quickly. We have a uh, a new episode coming out this Wednesday, Fireside, uh, with Hobby from Tattoo Theory. And if you guys don't know Hobby, man, he is next level. This guy's a crazy good tattooer. He's also uh, the founder of uh, the Board to Death Club, an NFT series, uh, and we talk a little bit about that too. But that'll come out Wednesday. Really awesome episode that was done at the Richmond Convention uh, last uh, month, two months ago. I don't know, sometime recently. Uh, previously, right. In October. In October, that's right. It was. So we're running. We're, we're kind of slow. I'm, I'm like Mark. We're, I'm like Mark where we just film a bunch of stuff and then we just did. And we're like, yeah, I'm not going to put that out just yet. I'll just sit on it. No good reason. Oh, man, my hard drives. I've got stacks of hard drives. If uh, after I die, if anybody wants to go through an archive. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Back that back that stuff up. As a guy who did just personally lose a hard drive, I had the majority of my uh, uh, my oh, family's uh, pictures and videos on. I will tell you, 
guys, spend money for the cloud, whatever you got to do, back up your hard drives for anything that you hold dear because it is heart shattering when you you lose stuff that just is irreplaceable. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Well, I wholeheartedly back up and save, save often. I learned that lesson also about every six years. <laughs> Cheers, cool. everybody. Yeah, man. Good. Good to see you, Mark. Good to see you, Jake.